Welcome back to The Creatives, everybody, where we explore creativity through conversation. That is exactly what we're doing here today. We're exploring it through yet another conversation, and I am joined today by Mr. Tyler Griffin. Tyler, thank you for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Ramsey. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know you. Uh, Tyler and I go go back quite a few years, and uh, we'll get into how I know Tyler in a bit. But uh, Tyler is a mortgage broker by profession. However, he is creative in ways that we will find out in this episode. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to thank Midnight Hour Studios for sponsoring the show and uh, giving us this wonderful space. This studio is a blank canvas studio space where you can rent it and you can make your creative dreams and creative visions come to life. There is a discount code for you in the description below where you'll get 25% off your first booking. So check that out and let us know if you have any questions. And also, thank you to Pano Media for powering this production and sponsoring this podcast. Pano Media is your trusted source for high-quality video production and drone video production services in Ottawa and surrounding areas. So, without further ado, we're going to dive into this episode. This is uh, technically season two, in a way. Okay, starting it off. Starting it off with you, love yeah. It, love yeah. it, nice. Back into the cold <laughs> months. Uh, we had this weird streak where every episode we recorded, it was snowing last winter. Okay. But it's... It didn't Not happen. Today. Not, Not today. today. No. They, we're going to break that yeah. this time. Uh, but yeah, before we dive into it, Tyler, I'll tell you a little bit about the podcast and kind of how it came to be and why it exists. Um, so I, you know, I was starting to meet lots of people and, you know, I find the, the further I progress in life, the more questions I have um, instead of answers, which is yeah. kind of challenging in ways. So I always liked the idea of talking and you know, like networking with people. And I thought, Hey, why don't we just start recording this and see where we go? And yeah, podcasts are a great way to like meet extra people, get extra points of view on Mm -hmm. how you're progressing with things. And uh, I know a lot of people that have done really, really well with them. Nice. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really just like an exploration. Like I was just, it was curiosity. It was, it was uh, non-client work. So there was no rules. There was no uh, guidelines. It was just like, do it, but then you want to do, yeah, yeah, do what you want to do, explore creativity. And, um, I, I was starting to kind of look at creativity in a way where I'm like, okay, it's, I, I don't consider myself creative in the conventional sense. So I noticed there was a lot of people like that who were not like artists or painters or whatever, like creative yeah. by the yeah. textbook yeah. definition of, of what I guess, uh, you know, the cliche definition of a creative is. So I, I started realizing people are creative in many, many ways. And that's kind of why you're here today. So uh, the, the podcast was dedicated to exploring that through yeah. conversations so well, that's, a, that's a, a great way to do it you know yeah um and I, I i feel the same way there's there's lots of different ways that people are creative you know i got a kid who does a lot of hands-on traditional art she does some digital art but then there's that's cool there's also the the people out there like some of the people that i work with in my industry they can ha- have a specialty they like to call creative financing right which is how to get people to that angle that they want in a house in a way that then like might not traditionally qualify or, or how to get into something, um, in, into investments with commercial real estate or even residential real estate where a lot of the ways may say no, but if you get creative with their financing, um, there is some, some workarounds and some gray areas. I love living in the gray areas and, um, and you, and you can make a lot of, uh, a lot of big moves by doing that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The, the gray area. That's, yeah. a, that's a key word. <laughs> that's a word Tyler said to me, uh, many years ago. And I, we're going to, I want to, <clears throat> I want to explore that gray area. Cause I also love living in the gray yeah. area yeah. of you're not necessarily doing anything wrong. You're just kind of 
bending yeah, things. Yeah, working, working within the rules, but definitely pushing the boundaries of them. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you live within the rule sets as they're laid out, it's very tough to progress. Um, speaking specifically towards real estate, uh, yeah. you know, the, the banks want to cap you out at a certain point. The lenders want to cap you out at a certain point, and so you have to get into that next step of creative creativity. I to, love that. To make it work. Yeah. 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 And that, that's also, that's kind of why I wanted to invite you on here because we live in a time where, uh, it's turbulent economically and you, you yeah. all these buzzwords get thrown around recession, high interest, inflation, they get thrown around. And I feel like it, as someone who's, you know, in their twenties, it feels like there's no hope. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we've, we've got to be creative. And I, I think you have a lot of cool ideas and, and we'll kind of dive into how, you know, people can deploy creativity in their like financial world and their, yeah. in their life that for way. Sure, so, sure. um, you know, before we dive in, I'll tell you guys how I know Tyler, Tyler, <laughs> this is, it's interesting. I don't know if you know this, but I photographed your wedding. Yeah. You know that part. Yeah, I know that part. I was uh, there. That was probably <laughs> one of my first ever paid photography jobs. It, it was not very well paid. So thank you very much. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. No, yeah. You and, uh, you and Holden came out and shot the wedding, which was awesome. We were looking for, you know, more of a, somebody I knew to shoot the wedding as opposed yeah. to just like a company that I could sign up. Um, you guys did a great job. We still go through the wedding photos nice. regularly. We got the album up on the uh, Love that. on the coffee table, um, so it's out there all the time. And yeah, that was that was a great introduction. You actually shot my wife's side of things mm-hmm, the when they were getting ready. Yeah, right? and Holden was with with me and the boys over getting ready where we were, and um, and then we had we had a beautiful wedding out at. Um, Herb, uh, the, the Herb, Garden. Herb Garden. There we go. I was going to forget the name. Almont. Thank you. Yeah, the Herb Garden in yeah. Almont. So nice. Yeah, it was, and that was, um, you know, it was an awesome setup. We just rented the venue. They let us bring in all of our own stuff, all of our own catering, all of our own uh, alcohol service, every everything, all our own decorations. So, getting back to the creativity, they gave us that blank canvas and let us kind of like paint our wedding on it. Right? I love Which was that. Nice. Yeah. I remember at the time, like I knew you from the car scene. You yeah. you had a really cool Volkswagen at the time, yeah. and Holden was a friend of mine, and he had a Volkswagen. I had a Volkswagen, and uh, he's like, "Hey man, I need help shooting this wedding. I'll yeah. I'll pay you." I think it was like a hundred and fifty dollars, or you know. And at the time, like that was there was a lot of money, you know. I was like yeah. one hundred fifty bucks to go and if take you've never photos been paid for that task, yeah. right? Like it, it kicks you off. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I remember driving home like, "Holy shit! I just got paid to do photos, and I had fun." And you know, I don't I don't shoot weddings anymore because uh, I did it for a while and I realized it wasn't for me, but. I, it, it was, those early foundations were really important. Um, and it's, it's just a cool connection. Absolutely. Uh, Tyler had a really, really customized Volkswagen Corrado. If you know what that is, it's like this really like short lived Volkswagen. That's two door, like kind of hatchback. Is it a hatchback? It's, it's like a, yeah. Hatchback coupe kind of thing. Yeah. I think a coupe is what, what I would it's probably label okay. it as. Yeah. 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 Um, that thing was crazy. That man. was a fun car. That was uh, my second kind of Volkswagen and and, you know, again, getting back to it, I really was able to, like, you know, paint my artwork with that car, right? Yeah. I, I took that car from where where I bought it to where it finished, complete color change, complete new interior, so full new engine set up. Like, it was quite the uh, quite the progress over, <laughs> over really five or was. six years, you know? It really um, was. And a lot of fun. And, and it's where I met, you know, a lot of my good friends today. I was out uh, karting last night with... Uh, Jeevan and and, Kurt no and all the guys they were nice. in town so we were you know these are 
friendships that have lasted a lifetime from wrenching together when we were yeah you know probably too young to be spending that much money on cars you guys built but, some insane cars <laughs> we though. did build some cool cars you yeah. guys had there was a crazy house was like your guys yeah. crew's name yeah. and these guys these are like these are like show-stopping cars like like air suspension three-piece wheels like custom paint custom engines like I remember at the time looking at you, like all of you guys and seeing your cars, I was like, oh my <laughs> God, that's when like, you know, something clicked in my brain. Maybe like things started going downhill from there, but financially, we, we, pushed, we pushed each other too. And that was, was the best cool. part about crazy. House is like, I'd hit the shop and you know, Jeevan's there and he's like taking his headlights apart to, to customize his headlights. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing there? Right. And next thing you know, he's like, oh, I'm. I looked up this tutorial and this tutorial and like a lot of this just to get back into it was before facebook had really taken off in the way that it hid so like mm. we were all forum people right we were yeah. beat up vortex ottawa v dubbing and so like you'd have to spend hours searching through and asking the og guys like how'd you do this how'd you do that mm-hmm. you know and um it, it, it like i said it kicked off a lot of my a lot of my good friendships today come from come from that time i love yeah. that yeah that's 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 the reason why i love cars and i have met again many friends too because of cars yeah um so tyler i want to start by asking you like what does creativity mean to you um that, that's a great question it's not what i considered on the way in i i think it comes down to you know <clears throat> there's the way that 90 95% of of people transact on a day-to-day basis right and mm-hmm. you, you can look at anything whether it's you know putting a car together or, or just driving a car yeah. or financing or even you know in your case photography um, and there's the way that a lot of people do it and you can pick up these like here's the easy safe way to do it but then that creativity I think is in the 10% or the 5% of like hey man this feels different Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's in a feeling of of whether it feels creative or whether it feels like they've taken a, a thing which is commonplace. So, you know, for you shooting cars or shooting at dealerships and then, hey, that video had a different feel to it. And, and I think it's an ability to convey emotion through your artwork, too, is a big part of that creativity. Right. So you, mm-hmm. can, you can you can make people feel a certain way because of how you've put something together and that's where the creativity comes in. I like yeah. that. Yeah. That I like that. Cause so, so when, when you are venturing into the unknown and you know, even if things don't work, that's still, you consider that creative, creative, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, creativity doesn't mean success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just means no, that you're, a, definitely not. <laughs> you're trying something in a way that, you know, a, a very small subset of the population is trying it. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. And I, I, I feel like you bring that to in, into your work and into your life and, and just seeing kind of how you progressed. And I, I, I'd like to kind of hear your story of how you kind of, you know, origin story of Tyler Griffin, how, where you started, how you end up as a mortgage broker and how yeah. did you end up as a kind of mortgage broker that broke that mold and, and started pioneering your own way and building that. Yeah, out. no, I, absolutely. And so, I mean, it's a, a, story of a lot of like right place right time yeah. it's honestly how a lot of it started nice. out um yeah. you know back i'd say probably 14 years ago now um my my buddy and i were living in ottawa together we were each in two bedroom apartments we were working together and you know we looked at each other and said this is dumb mm-hmm. you're spending 1600 on rent i'm spending 1600 on rent we're both in two bed apartments we're single dudes let's move in together yeah. save half our money so we moved in together and we lived together for 12 months in that apartment and about two months in, we both said, Hey, we're going to be able to save up enough to buy a house this year. This is great. 
because we were saving so much living together. Sick. And and a couple of months later, we're you know the savings are going. We're eating the craft dinner. We're not out every night. Like the life's changing. And and I said, hey man, do you want to buy a duplex? Because like we're looking at maybe a condo in Barhaven. We're looking at like a stacked townhome, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's look a little bit further out. Let's look at a duplex. And, and let's buy a duplex together. And we ended up moving to Smith Falls, which is about an hour outside of Ottawa, give or take. Yeah. And um, we bought a duplex and a house. And, and he and I moved into the house. We bought the duplex. The duplex made enough money to pay the costs of living in the house. Nice. Um, duplex is like a basement apartment. So this, the one we bought was actually like a side-by-side. So it was like cool. a two mirror image houses, okay. like side by each. Cool. Um, and it was about a kilometer away from the house that we bought. Um, and then I commuted for you commute six from years. Smith Falls? Yeah, for six years I was oh, driving man. about 70 kilometers each way to work. And a lot of my friends gave me a lot of shit for it. They're like, oh, you're never going to be around. You're not going to be doing this. But it allowed me to get into the housing market earlier than I would have. And in a way that I, I was able to double up on my equity pay down by having the tenants pay down part of the the duplex and mm-hmm. and really cover my cost of living in the house. So, you know, in the space of about 12 months, I went from $1,600 a month rent to $800 a month rent to nothing out of pocket on my house because the duplex was covering it. So I was really able to like cut the bottom line on my living expenses that way. Yeah. And you weren't a mortgage broker at this time. No, at that point I was managing car dealerships. Um, nice. I did that for a long time. You know, I'm a uh, a solid high school graduate post-secondary was really not my thing and, and automotive let me get into a career early that paid well for the age range um, mm-hmm. I did find that it capped out earlier than I kind of hoped it would yeah um, so yeah I was I was managing car dealerships there and, and then I got my brokering license uh, in 2019 uh, I bought a couple of rental properties in 2019 I'd sold one of my places in Smith Falls I bought two homes in Ottawa mm-hmm. I was living with my wife at this point this is a couple of years after it's kind of around when I met yeah a couple of years or after the wedding shot- 2017 you shot the wedding okay 2019 is when I made the moves and bought these extra places like January 2019 so like a year and a half later okay nice yeah and um, you know after I bought the second one so I bought one put a basement apartment in it refinanced it bought the one right beside it so we had two houses side by each and um and my broker at the time jeff jislett who who is my old uh my old mortgage broker said look look man you know what you're doing you basically told me how to structure these files you gave me points to like build your file for the lender that like some of my brokers wouldn't have known so just go get your license nice. right? and i was like okay whatever i'll go get my license i'd been you weren't even considering it. No, at the time. I wasn't really considering it. I'd been feeling a bit of a pinch in automotive because like it very quickly went to, you know, 60 grand a year when I was younger. But then like, you know, the 60 to 70 mark was very difficult. 70 to 80 was much slower. And like, I didn't really see growth beyond that. Yeah. And it's not an industry where you've got a pension, where you've got great health insurance. You know, it's not an industry mm-hmm. that I felt had the growth ability that I was looking for in my life. Yeah. Um, so I, in 2019, I got my brokering license. I said, you know, I'm going to take a two year timeline to transition to brokering full time because it is a hundred percent commission based job, which is scary. Yeah. I had just had my second kid. So I had a 10 year old and a newborn. Yeah. Um, and, and COVID hit <laughs> and uh, COVID hit. And, <laughs> The dealerships shut down. 
the body shops all shut down and they didn't shut down for long. They were essential services after a little bit, but for a minute, they you didn't like, know hey. though at the time they were like, Hey, go home. Right. Um, and my wife worked for the government. So she was able to transition to fully remote work, getting paid full time. So I stopped working at the time, took care of the kids cause the kids weren't in daycares cause daycares were closed. Yeah. Um, and so I was taking care of the kids full time and I had my brokering license and we were pregnant with, our third kid coming. And at the time we were living on the main floor of our house. We had a basement apartment. We had a tenant in the basement and like, it's not a big house. So with two kids, it was full and with three, it was going to be bursting. So at that point we asked the basement tenant, Hey man, like third kids coming. Can you, we need the basement back mm-hmm. to, to live in. He said, Oh, that's good. I was going to buy a house anyway. I said, well, I'll help you buy a house, I guess. Right. And that was my first file. Um, that's cool. It was one of my tenants. And I, so I helped him get into a house and then, uh, I, I kind of like put it out at that point. So that was in May of 2020 was when I funded my first deal, May 15th, 2020. Mm. And I put it out at that point. I reached out to my friends. I said, Hey, I'm going to be brokering like, you know, what's going on. And, and by September I'd funded $5 million worth of deals, which is like more than a lot of brokers do in their first year. So I just had a really good word of mouth referral network. Mm-hmm. I'd kept in touch with a lot of my friends and, and people just were happy to refer to me and it kind of took off. That's awesome. And, and that September I, I reached out to the body shop and said, Hey, like you guys aren't busy cause nobody's driving. Cause in COVID nobody was driving. I was managing a body shop. So there's not a lot of accidents happening. Yeah. I said, you're probably happy not to be paying my salary. I'm happy not to be working in automotive anymore. I'm going to try this out. Um, and then it was just, it was really off to the races and, you know, a little bit of right place, right time in terms of the housing market kind of going wild during COVID, right? So prices were up, interest rates were down. Um, a lot of good support from from my networks, you know. Nice. I, got, I got one one good buddy and like shout out to leading phase electric and, and Brad Angelos. who's a good buddy of mine. And, uh, he sent me a huge number of my first deals in my first year. And he's mm-hmm. just one of those guys that's got it. Everybody knows his name and he's got it yeah. for everybody. And he sent me a, a massive amount of my, uh, my work in my first year. And from there, the referral tree just kind of like branched off. Nice. Um, and then, uh, end of 2021. Mm-hmm. So like, a year and a half later, yeah, um, I'd gone from fairly new at the job to top producing agent at the brokerage I was at. So we had about 16 agents, one principal broker. I was on the top of the list. That's awesome. I started to like nip at the heels of the broker owner in terms of funded volume. Mm-hmm. And, and I sat down with him end of 2021. I, we went out for dinner and I said, look, man, like you've been doing this for 20 years. Your foot's off the gas. You're doing the same number of files year after year. Yes, you're making more money because volumes are going up, but like you're doing the same number of transactions, which means you're not actually growing, mm-hmm. growing the business. I said, I want to grow it. You want to spend six months a year in Florida? Let's make a deal. And so I, I made an offer to buy the company at the end of 2021. That's incredible. And um, we closed on that deal. Um, actually, we're really close to a year out. So November 17th, 2022, we closed on that deal. Sick. And we're what November 9th or 10th today. Yeah. 2023. Yeah. yeah, So just about a year ago, just about a year ago, we closed on purchasing it. Um, you know, I, I've implemented a lot of stuff and getting, tying it back to the creativity here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing a lot of AI ad generation, AI, um, communication with clients. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I've got a lot of automated software that I've brought into place, which has really um, streamlined the process um, because it is a transactional based business. And like to be able to go from 10 to 15 to 20 deals a month, right? you have to spend less man hours on each deal or, or work more. So you're, <laughs> and, you're cutting down these man hours, cutting with tools down the like man that. hours with tools. Nice. Right. So I've got some AI in behind my application programs. So when you fill out your application, it tells me what documents I need right away. It requests them from you based on how you filled it out. Cool. Um, my touch points with my clients are all automated. Mm-hmm. My Facebook ads are all, you know, um, generated by chat GPT and a couple other, like, I'm missing the name of it right now, but there's an AI image generator right. um, that, that I use. Uh, That's only recently though, right? Super recently. And like I was at a conference for, I, I own a franchise and I was at a franchise owners conference um, mm-hmm. just a month ago. And like we had a big presentation on AI and, and the guy who does it, who works for, for Mortgage Alliance Corporate said, you know, three months ago, I wouldn't be able to give this presentation and six months from now it's going to be obsolete. He's like every month right now, there's like two, 3000 AI tools hitting the table. Yeah. He's like, so I'm going to tell you how to do it today. And <laughs> you figured out six months from now, I'll have a different conversation about how to do it because it's not going to be the same. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, shifted my ability to work more files with less overhead. We've mm-hmm. been able to remove some of the support staff because we had too many support staff. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're going fully remote. Nice. Um, so we won't have physical office space anymore. That's um, cool. Just a, a, a shifting environment. For yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like it all, it all happened very quick. And I remember when you were starting out, you told me like you would like never stop working. Like you were just always. Yeah. That, that goal might've shifted a little bit, <laughs> but, but that's what got you there in the beginning. Right. It like, is. I it don't is. Sound sustainable long term. No, I, I do work a lot. And like my, I do, you know, I take phone calls whenever my phone rings right mm-hmm. but um you know i have shifted from like hey i'm gonna do this until i can't anymore to like a seven-year plan of like handing over the business to somebody else have me just managing it yeah um, because um i think the ability is there for, for that yeah. nice man yeah that's really cool it's it's a it's an inspiring story to see how kind of far you came in, a, like, in a short time and like the purchase was structured creatively too so like mm-hmm. i purchased the business with zero money down zero percent interest nothing out of pocket just a a deal over five years of a percentage of revenue paid to the old owner um and he the the reason we structured it up that way is he's in a uh, when you sell a small business in canada you get a capital gains tax exemption so you know he's getting all this money tax-free I'm paying the, zero the seller on. gets tax exemption. Yeah, cool. nine nine hundred thousand dollars per shareholder of a corporation. So if you sell a corporation, mm-hmm. um, you have a nine hundred thousand dollar one time one lifetime capital gains tax exemption. Jeez. So you can do it once, um, and it's kind of the the government's way of incentivizing people to build those small businesses, grow them up, and then sell them. Interesting. Um, it gives you that that That's ability cool. to sell off, mm-hmm. walk away tax free, right? So he's getting a good chunk of change tax free. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying any interest, which in today's world is awesome because interest rates are wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's a purchase that I I didn't have capital for. You can't really get funding for. I'm buying a client list, really. And saying, you know, I'll work your client list, but like, that's a very intangible asset to purchase. Right. And even if you were to value, it would be kind of insane, right? It's tough to value because there's no guarantee that these clients continue to work with me. Right. Right. They, I could call up 
every one of them and they say, you're not Jeff. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing my mortgage with you. Right. And so like, it's very difficult to value, which is why we worked out a percentage of revenue because I mm -hmm. said, look, like if everybody says, no, I can't just be paying you money. I'm not making. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was pretty confident that like our work habits were very similar. I was a bit more technologically forward than Jeff was. So I was mm -hmm. going to be able to bring the business into, you know, the current world of tech savvy people. A lot of people want to do this stuff on their phone now. So you know, my application's all mobile friendly. My website's mobile friendly. Nice, man. You know, I, I switched to digital business cards, just that kind of stuff. Just getting out of the like, you know, PDFs and Excel sheets and into having software do a lot of it for you. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm really intrigued by how you, 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 were, you creatively kind of did business because I feel like it is, um, seemingly a, a non-creative. It's just like, doing business and, you know, owning business and doing mortgages is, is maybe not seen as a potentially creative way of living and working. And I am intrigued by how you did that. So I think it's, it's cool how you were able to make things work. Um, was there like, was there anything that really helped you early on aside from the right place, right time? And you know, what, what, was there anything that really fueled you forward? Um, Two things, I think. Number one, I, I am fairly financially motivated. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's, I'll figure something out if there's money involved. And that's, okay. that's come from my time in, in real estate. Um, I've always wanted to do better. I always feel like I'm behind the eight ball. So, always having that pressure on myself. Yeah. Um, the second thing, honestly, is not being afraid to ask. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm never afraid to, like have a wild idea in my mind and be like, there's no way anyone's going to bite on this a lot more often than you think they will. Yeah. And so if you go to them and you say, Hey, I got this dumb, crazy idea. Here's the advantages to you. Mm -hmm. And then they look at it and they're like, i never would have considered this. Sure. Right. So like when I, when I approached Jeff to purchase the business, like he'd never, he, no one had ever he done had that. A, he really, had a timer right? on his phone for six years out. He's like, man, I wasn't retiring for another six years. And I was like, well, here's six years back in your life. Yeah. You're 50. Yeah. Go live life. That's a great age to be, you know, snowboarding at. Yeah. Um, and no, nobody had approached him. I don't think he had considered how he was going to exit. Yeah. Um, because it's not an industry that a lot of people consider how they're going to exit. They kind of just wind down their business as they go away. And then they just close, yeah. up, close yeah. up the shop, right? I'm just done, right? Yeah. Um, but there's... There's value to a phone number and an email address to get two, three hundred inquiries a year. Mm -hmm. Right. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so that's I, I I like the story, and I want to now as a mortgage broker. You mentioned in the beginning, uh, gray area. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I remember you have a hat that says gray, a gray area. Gray area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I found myself dabbling tickling the gray area for many years in, in a lot of the things that I do because I find once you're able to play with that gray area it's a kind of a good indicator that you've put in a shitload of hours into yeah, and you into know doing the something. rules yeah you know the rules enough <laughs> to then bend them yeah um, and that's a it's a cool place to be and it's you know obviously you got to be careful it's a lot of responsibility sure. but I want to know I want I, I want to just kind of know about your gray area how does it work what does it mean yeah and for, the, for there's you and a few clients? different things so like you know certain lenders all these lenders have guidelines but a lot of these guidelines are written in sand mm -hmm. 
And it's it's. What do you mean written in sand? Like <laughs> they're movable. Okay. Um, and so you you might start by reading a lender's cheat and saying, "Hey, this deal doesn't fit here." But again, mm-hmm. by not being afraid to ask, by not being afraid to go after it, you can find out. Oh, this is what they have on paper, but they actually have appetite for a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, uh, not to get too technical on the mortgage side, but there's some like debt to income ratios that are very specific for certain lenders and much more flexible for other lenders and learning where mm-hmm. you can push those boundaries. Um, it just like increases likelihood that your client's going to get funding yeah, to go buy a house, exactly. right? exactly. Okay. Or, or learning how to, how to increase income for business for self people is a mm-hmm. big way, right? Like, Hey, do you write off your car? How do you do this? Mm-hmm. Can I add that back to your income? Cause most people don't. And some lenders allow that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, so that, um, you know, the ability to, look at rental income in different ways for clients. There's some, again, like it's, it's lender to lender product to product, but by being able to hone in on those right products and push those boundaries of those lenders and by, by working with lenders so much and building relationships, you get to kind of be able to ask for those exceptions that you might want. Mm -hmm. Right. And say, Hey, I know, I know this person's income's a little bit lower than you might like, but look at the whole picture mm-hmm. and, and there's some common sense lending in behind it. I like yeah. that. Cause, cause essentially you're, you're helping people buy a home. A lot of time is it their first home? Like do you help a lot of first time? I do or? a lot of first time home buyers. I do mm-hmm. a lot of investors. I mean, it's, it's really all over the map. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say more of my business is focused on repeat clients than first time home buyers. Yeah. Um, but even with first-time homebuyers, there's there's something to be said about like, hey, let's get you into this house, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you, you're you looking at houses that are a little bit outside of your budget. Well, maybe let's look at a place with a basement apartment and let's move you into it and let's live there for three, four years. Mm-hmm. And then we'll completely rent that place out and move you into the next house, right? And by buying that more expensive place off the hop, you get more equity paid on your tenants are helping you pay for some of it. Mm-hmm. And now you're able to get into that, you know, out of that starter home and into that forever home faster. I like that. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with financial planners because I can sometimes get things approved that they can't in terms of mortgage financing. So like IG wealth does mortgages and there are a couple of financial planning groups that do mortgages, but mm-hmm. you know, they, if they've got a client who's a server, who's not claiming tips, there's ways that we can prove that to the lender get that tip income included. I help their clients get into a house two, three years faster. And, you know, net worth of homeowners tends to be significantly higher than the net worth of, of non-homeowners, mm-hmm. which then gives more ability and more focus on building their financial investments, which then benefits the financial planner. I like that. Right? So I go to them and say, look, you could have your client wait two, three more years to buy, or we could help them buy right now and they can start building their portfolio with you faster because they've got that ability to. Mm-hmm. I like it. I feel like these are the things that a bank won't really do for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, cause I feel like a bank's not going to tell, like give you that, that route to take of buy a place with an apartment in the basement and then, you know, do that three year plan, sure. use that as a stepping stone because I don't know. It's, I mean, as someone who, again, like I said, I've, I've only in the recent years started like having these considerations yep. yeah. 
Uh, it's extra hard when you own a business to even have the the ability to buy property because sure. you're setting up one thing and then now you're responsible for the success of the business and the success of yourself. So that's quite a challenge. And um, the other thing with banks, oftentimes, yeah. and like you know, not to not to disparage them too much, they definitely have their place in financing. But totally. A lot of the times when you're dealing with somebody at the branch, number one, they're not a licensed mortgage agent or a licensed mortgage broker. They work mm-hmm. under a different exemption, so they don't have the same kind of education background. Number two, being a mobile mortgage specialist or a branch mortgage specialist, whatever, usually isn't their end goal at the bank. Mm-hmm. Branch manager is or regional manager is. So to your point where you're, they're not building those three, four-year plans for you, it's because in three, four years, they're probably not doing mortgages anymore. Yeah. Right? Whereas like I've set it up, I've got 18 agents, we've got a couple full-time staff. Nice. Um, so we are... Like this is this is what I will be doing until I don't have to work anymore. Nice. Um, there's no like in five years you're not gonna call and get somebody else sitting in the same office as me, right? Uh, yeah. It'll be me. Nice. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for people that are in like seemingly non-creative industries, and like how can they incorporate that creativity kind of into their work and and um. That's a tough one. And Ottawa, Ottawa's a bit of a boring town in that regard. So, you know, there's a ton of people that are... Um, there's no room? Or, well, or like they, for, they, they it, show up, they they punch their government job for 35 years. You know, they work yeah. their pension, they get out. Um, uh, so, I mean, there is a, a huge number of people that maybe don't employ as much creativity in their career. And, and what I guess I can say is it doesn't always have to be career-related. Um, finding an outlet for it because everybody's got it in them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, finding an outlet like the cars. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife loves to paint. My my middle kid, like she, every, every second conversation is pretend that, pretend that, pretend that, right? Just imagining. She's always just imagining stuff. And so, that. you know, don't forget that like moment when you were a kid when everything could be pretend, mm-hmm. right? Like, she come up, pretend I'm a teenager, right? Cause she's got an older teenager sister, right? Pretend yeah. I'm a teenager and I'm, I don't have a soother right now. Right, yeah. Cool. I'll pretend that. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. So she wants you to play along with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. I, I, I love how kids remind us to play. Yeah. You know, and very much. It's very cause much. you feel like if I guess an adult, you're like, ah, oh, I'm not allowed to be goofy and play and no, say exactly, silly stuff. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that creative expression is necessary. Um, so that's, that's cool. But um, do you find yourself challenged by things as an ind- on an individual level, um, whether it's personal, professional, or the things that challenge you? And, you know, how, what's your, how do you feel about them? Were you doing anything? To Organization get challenges me on a daily basis. It yeah. is not my strong point. My <laughs> wife's always making fun of me. She's like, you swear to God, you run out of the house with your arms in the air. Right? Like, <laughs> and then she's not Paper's wrong. Flying. Like the number of times I'm like in the car. On my way to work, I'm like, fuck, laptops at home. Yeah. Right? Like turn turn around. Like that's <laughs> that's that. work, right? So yeah. um I, I find I find organization challenging. Um mm-hmm. you know, and, and big kudos to my wife because she isn't super organized person. So she yeah, takes she care of a lot of that for me. Um right now what I'm what I'm finding the most challenging in today's world is is motivating people. It's not easy, man. A lot of people I find are pretty happy with that complacent level and they're not looking for that next step and 
Um, so I'm, I, I do find motivating my agents a, as a difficult thing right now. A lot of people are beat up by the financial situation that the mm. world seems to be in. And yeah. Um, but, but yeah, mo- mostly organization, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've hired some great coaches. I'm a big fan of coaching. So I've had a, either a mortgage coach or a business coach every year I've been doing this. That's cool. Um, and they've, they've brought a lot of structure into how I work my files and how I handle things that builds in those routines. And they're things that I probably would have figured out, but I probably would have figured out three years later than I did mm-hmm. or four years later than I did. And so it was really just, I, I kind of call it like a cheat code. The coaches? <clears throat> Hiring a coach is like a cheat code. It just, it, you know. Seems interesting. Figure out the who, not how. Don't figure out how to do something figure out who's doing it and figure out and then just ask them, how did you do this? You're already doing it the way I want. There's nothing out there that's, you know, uninvented at this point. There's very little out there that's uninvented at this point. And so you can always reach out to somebody who's succeeding in the area you want to be succeeding in. Mm -hmm. And, and either find somebody who's a coach who's already doing that, who's taking on clients, taking on students. Right. Or, go to that person and, and give them a benefit and say, you know, um, a great example I heard recently was like, you know, if, if, if back to podcasts here, if, if you want to become a podcast editor, mm-hmm. you can go to somebody and say, let me edit your podcast. Or you can just start doing it, start re-editing their podcast and sending it to them. Yeah. Every two weeks, every time they release, be like, hey, here's my edit on it. Hey, here's my, and after a couple of months, man, the person's going to be like, all right, you're hired. Do you want to try this? Right. Like if someone wanna, did that. I would actually like, exa- exactly. Like, right. And so like conversation. there's going to be some, and, and that's that drive. Right. And so if you, if you, if the person who you're targeting isn't currently a coach, isn't currently a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody calls me up as a, as a new broker, they say, can I pick your brain for a minute? Like you get a couple shots at that, but like at the same time, I'm not just here to give value. I want to see some back. Right. Right. So like if you come to me and say, Hey, I think I can do this. Come to me with a solution or, or in terms of the podcast, come to me, show me your re-edit. Right. How would you shift it around? How would you cut it up? You know, make an intro song for it. Kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just and just wild. go to you. And then eventually you're going to be like, Hey man, do you want to, do you want to do this? Hey, can you build some graphics for me? Can you do this for me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That's yeah. bold. It is. I, I find being bold and I mean, it's, it's worked in your world where you offered the owner of the brokerage, like, Hey, you know, yeah. let's work out a deal. I think that boldness is, uh, it, I mean, if everyone was bold, I think it'd be an insane world. Yeah. Like we'd be flying cars and I don't make it the same, but like for, fortune favors the bold is a very real saying, right? Yeah. So like you can call it fortunate. You can say it must be nice. You can say it's lucky, but sometimes you just do it. Yeah. You know, um, my wife's always, she's always giving me shit. She's like, you just do things and they work out. And I said, yeah, but I do them. Right. Like yeah. I could not do them and life would probably work out too, but like I just do them. And then once I do them, you commit to it, you do it. You attempt you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, I would imagine many things you do that don't work out too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, similar, like when we first met you, as you were saying, you were just starting to shoot. Like that was your first page. It was gig, just it right? was just photography. I just photography. Don't even do too much photography anymore. And at a certain point, you had to approach a car dealership. Be mm-hmm. Like, hey, can I be your go-to? Yeah. And that's that's bold. Yeah. Right. Like you you're young. Yeah. To walk into to a high-end car dealership and be like, hey, I want to do your ab, your promotional material. Yeah. That that's not small, right? Because like these are big corporations, big companies set in their ways. 
you know, and 10 years ago, their media budget probably wasn't what it is today. Right. So you're trying to convince them to do stuff that they weren't doing mm-hmm. that's been working. So, yeah, 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 I like that. It's a good, it's a good reminder to be bold. Cause I, you know, when, when you do things and they seem to uh, work, it, they, you, like I have a tendency of, you know, leaning towards complacency, yeah. but then snapping myself out of it. And it's always like, I'm trying to find that balance between uh, just living and being a human and just pushing like crazy and being yeah. like very aggressive and just go, go do better, do better, do better. Cause like, I find it can be tiring um, For sure. to always be like, okay, I got to do better. Okay. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Uh, so I'm still trying to find that balance. I haven't found it yet. And, and um, I don't think it's, it's I don't, I don't think it's a balance that you ever land at that you stay at. Right. Um, I believe it's, it's really which side of the teeter totter are you on that week? <laughs> right. Like are things too easy, too complacent? You're not like, yeah. shit, I better pick up the phone, make some cold calls. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I got to go to a marketing event. I don't, I don't love going to networking events. It's not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of small talk with a lot of people I don't know, but like, Sometimes you got to go. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go. You know, and so whether it's, you know, sponsoring autocross. So I sponsor the autocross events out of the uh, Canadian Tire Center. That's awesome. So I got to go out there and just like shoot the shit with people I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it paid off this year. You know, we did, I think we did four or five deals from autocross clients. Sick. And it's one of those things. It's just another branch on the network tree. That's unreal. Yeah. Just quickly, if you don't know what autocross is, it's Sorry. parking lot <laughs> slalom. They make a track in a in a parking lot out of cones, and they call them cones. It's heads. like grassroots <laughs> yeah, grassroots racing. They do call it's them yeah. cones. It's the cheapest way to so, yeah, race your car. So um, anyway, if you're in Ottawa, come on out Canadian Tire Center. Check out the Ottawa Motorsports Club. Um, sick. They do the autocross. It's a lot of fun. What about Rallycross? Are you sponsoring that too? I'm not sponsoring Rallycross at this point because I don't race it. Okay. <laughs> um, I sponsor autocross. Mostly because my sponsorship gets me free racing. Right. Did you race? <laughs> so, did you race this year? I raced my wagon. No, I, I raced my E4. I pushed my E400 around those cones. Absolutely, <laughs> How'd yeah, it go? yeah. I mean, it's not fast, but it's fun, fun yeah. right? Yeah, it's I a lot of fun. That. Yeah, love um, that. And man. I mean, it's a great way to spend a Saturday or a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right? You get these good people, good laughs. Um, you know, a lot of like-minded people that you can shoot the shit with, and, and yeah. you know, have Back that. Here that underlying connection of we all like doing dumb stuff with cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it seems like you enjoy aside from like, not necessarily want like loving those networking events. It seems like you enjoy interacting with people. I love networking and talk. Yeah. I don't like going to a networking event. <laughs> I think those are two very different things. Or it's like it's right? called it's like a networking event. You are going to this brewery to network is not okay. my favorite thing because it just, it just feels forced. I love networking organically whether it's you know at a backyard barbecue or you know um one of the real estate agents i work with throws a huge halloween party so we're there every year and it's the more natural networking the ability to just like be me Mm -hmm. at some point mention this is what i do and then have a connection out of it is is much i'm much more at home there than i am at like uh Hey, we're hosting a real estate investors networking event. It's yeah. just not, not my thing as much. I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. cause the, the human interactions and the connections are really what matter. Because aside from the work that you might be doing with someone, it's the you're spending time with that person. Yeah. And if you don't get along and you don't like each other, it's going to suck. And there's just going to be Absolutely. weird tension. And, um, you know, it's the reason some relationships in my life have dissolved. It's because of 
there's just nothing there. It was, it, there was no actual connection. It was yeah. just, uh, it was a means to an end. And, you know, at a certain point it dries stale and you got to move and on. And creativity, whether, you know, specifically can be lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, when I first moved out to Smith Falls, a lot of my friends were like, oh, we're never going to see you, right? Like mm-hmm. you're living out there. And, and they were kind of right. You know, I'd miss some events because it'd be like five o'clock. I'm wrapping up work. Like I got an hour drive home. I've been in my work clothes all day. You know, a lot of my other friends are like, oh, I'm going to pop home. We're going to go out for drinks or something. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not going to. Yeah. Because I'm going to go out after work in my work clothes when I was working at the car dealerships, you know, hang out. And then I'm not going to be home till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I got to be up an hour before everybody to make the commute in. Yeah. And so it, it can be you know, a little lonely and a lot of people when I, when I first started buying, uh, rental properties, you know, were negative about it a bit. Hey, this is going to be hard. Hey, it's good. And yeah, it's going to be hard. Just projecting you know? it. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. it's working until I'm 90. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. That's going to be hard too. So I got to find a different answer. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. I, I know that can be tough because I find you, you were breaking the mold, you know, you were yeah. doing something that maybe they had thought about. Uh, and it's the same when you're doing, like, and then they're just like, and when you're an entrepreneur of any kind, you got your own business, right? Like you might not have Saturday, Sunday free. Yeah. Right. You might need to go do a, a shoot, whether it's a staging shoot or something mm-hmm. like that at nine o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Yeah. When your friends who are working the nine to fives aren't. I know. Right. And so you, a lot of the times you're like, actually, man, I, you know, I can come out for 20 minutes, half an hour, but then like, I got to go to a gig. Yeah. Or like, you know, I'm, I'm, we're about to hit top carding last night. We're getting ready to head out. Phone rings this client. Like I'm taking the call. Yeah. Every time I'm taking the call. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, it, it is just, it just puts you off that like synchronicity with the people that aren't doing that. Um, mm-hmm. and it can, it can lead to like, I think you'll find out quickly who your true circle of friends is because mm-hmm. right? it is true. It can, it, it can be lonely when you're, yeah. when you're in those grind yeah, modes and, and that is a motivation. Uh, it was a, a big motivation of creating this podcast was because I felt lonely. I felt like I had my, my family and my, my close circle, but outside of that, I felt like, is there anyone else out there? Like, hello, like, do you feel the same as I do? And, uh, I've been very pleasantly surprised to meet so many cool people in Ottawa yeah who, you know, have been on that journey, have struggled through, you know, m- even more difficult things than I have been through in my life. And it's comforting to know. And I feel like this community is kind of being built because I do see the creatives as a, as a community, not just the podcast is one part of it, but yeah. I see it as a place where, you know, we can come together over our, you know, passion for, for just being creative. And uh, just, just little things like, yeah, I remember talking to you maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, should I incorporate? And, and I was at the same stage. I was just incorporating. Yeah. And like, you can't go to everybody about that. Like, cause no. people don't know, like, how do I incorporate? How should I do it? You know, a Canadian corp an Ontario corp. Do I pay myself dividends? Do I pay myself this? And like, you can't have that conversation with probably 80, 90% of people. Cause they're, mm-hmm. they're not working in a corporation that they own. Right. Yeah. And so it does feel like, who do I ask? Right? Who, who, who can I talk to about who the struggles I'm having, right? And, yeah. You know, or, you know, I was talking with one of my old bosses, like, hey, like, how do you navigate payroll? How do you navigate WSIB? Things that, like, I can't just ask 
somebody about because they don't know. Yeah. Right? So it is a much smaller subset uh, of the population that have the same experiences that you're having. Totally. But yeah. what I've found is if you do have a, a conversation with someone who is in doing it that way, um, they're, they're always willing to share. They're, they're so, so nice. You know, so outgoing. Someone, yeah. There's no barriers. <laughs> Everyone just wants to. And like, that's the one part I love about this whole creative community. And, and, and is there's a lot of support for other people. There's yeah. a lot of, I want to see you succeed. Totally. There's a lot less. <clears throat> oh, why did, why did they get the promotion? Why did they, because everyone's working for their own thing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of like, I remember early on, like gatekeeping, like my ways of doing things or how I achieve certain results. Yeah. It's maybe it was like p- part of it was from me being immature, like the gatekeeping. And as I, you know, things started growing, I realized like gatekeeping is, is limiting me. So yeah, yeah. I started being like, screw it. You ask me a question, I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. Uh, within reason, I'm not going to tell you my deep, darkest secrets, but if you ask me a question and you're interested and you're genuine about it, you're not like being sketchy. Like I'm going to give you as best of an answer as I can. And you know, that's gotten me quite far. I will, I'm never shy. If I can't do something, I'll throw a referral out. I yeah. want to get as many people, you know, on as possible and help them kind of move forward because um, I, 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 instead of seeing everyone as competition, although maybe they might be, I'd rather them be on my team and we can go together. Absolutely. And, and it took me a while to learn this too, mm-hmm. but like there's enough, whatever, whatever business you're <laughs> yeah. in, there's enough for yeah. everybody that wants to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so like, you know, uh, there's no harm in telling somebody how you landed that contract or how you landed mm-hmm. that client because they're not going to take yours. Yeah. Right. And, and in your industry, my industry, whatever industry, like there's that personal connection, which is what's securing your clients. It's not just your processes. Totally. Right? Yeah. Um, I want to just kind of circle back to, you were saying how you had trouble motivating people. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that, uh, people in your team or, or clients, uh, and also, yeah, I'll ask you that then yeah. I'll follow up. A lot, a lot of it's people on my team. Okay. Um, it is, I mean, it's a commission based industry, right? Um, and, and this year has been slower than previous years for a lot of people. Because it costs a lot of money to borrow money, right? Yeah, that- exactly. With interest rates going up, transactions are going down. So, I mean, they, they, there are a lot of brokers out there, a lot of agents out there who are seeing a 20, 30% decrease in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, just a little thing, like I'm hosting a, a mandatory, I, I don't do mandatory meetings, but I'm hosting <laughs> one annual mandatory meeting for business planning for the entire team. Nice. And even that I'm getting people like, Oh, that day doesn't work. And I'm like, man, this is one day a year. <laughs> like I got 365 days a year, do whatever you want. One day a year, just come. And I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm just being like, come to the office. I'm like, I'm getting a restaurant for us. I'm booking like a, an upstairs at it. So we're going to have some nice. food, some drinks. We're all going to share our business plans. Right. But nice. a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't really want to do a business plan. I just do work. And I'm, you can do that, but if you don't write it down, if you don't target it, if you don't track it, it mm-hmm. won't grow. Yeah. It won't. You got to you gotta have, you know, hey, I was here in this month last year. I want to be here in this month this year. Well, how? You can, you can just say it, but mm-hmm. if you're not tracking your growth, tracking your, your transactions, tracking your, you know, cost per client, your income per client, your cost per lead generation, that kind of stuff... 
you won't be able to control them and you won't be able to grow them. So I'm trying to get the team in and, and it's tough to, to get them to, it's like a 10 page business plan. It's not. Is there like a template for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's check boxes and blank and blank things, man. Fill it out. Yeah. Fill it, <laughs> fill out. it out. The math I, I, is I there. I might need one of those. That's I'll, send, I'll send it to you. Yeah. I'd actually love, cause that is one thing that I, I, I struggle with, with planning, future yep. planning. Cause you know, part of me just wants to just live now and enjoy life now and then just like things. But then the and lack then, of planning then, means there's lack of direction. And that like when I don't have a direction or, or somewhere to go towards, I feel so lost. Like, And then, you know, one of my first coaches said, like, take four days a week to mm-hmm. work in your business. Yeah. And one day a week to work on your business. Nice. And if you do that, your business will grow. Interesting. Because if you spend five days a week working in your business, you have a job. Okay. Right. But if you work on your business, you can actually grow your business to be that, that scalable, sellable, replicable asset. Interesting. Right. So, so I, I do that. This is my Fridays. Um, today's Friday working on the business. I I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm working on the business. I'm transacting files. I'm coaching my agents. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm doing lender meetings, that kind of stuff. Fridays I'm, you know, generating my Facebook ad content. I'm working on my my automated workflows. I'm templating new emails. I'm I'm looking at my open percentages of my templated emails to my click throughs on those templated emails. I'm rewording them, tweaking them here and there to try and increase those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that on my Fridays. I like that. So I mean, for sure, the, the phone rings, the emails happen. There's still some work that happens, but there's a lot of ability on a Friday because it's a, you know, it's still a financial institution-driven industry. So like, Fridays after two o'clock, not a lot, not a lot's happening. Because you can't really. The banks are done. Inquire, right? The lawyers right. are done. The banks are done. Right. Like, everyone's kind of pieced out for the weekend. Um, so that's that's when I find. I, I'm most efficient mm-hmm. on improving the business. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to try that because, yeah. you know, only as of this year, I've hired on Ryan. You met him earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan's working with us and we have some subcontractors that work with us and I'm starting to be able to, to take a workload off me from the actual sure. video production. Exactly. So now I, I mean, that's, I like that approach of working on the business cause I, you know, it, I would do want to grow it for the team to, to, so there's just more opportunities, more experiences to come. So I like that approach. Scalable, replicable processes mm-hmm. and best practices for your team are going to be huge. And what I find, um, I'm using, uh, I used to use checklists. So I used to send out, Hey, here's how you do this. Check, 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 check. Now what I've been doing is actually using MomBomb. You can check out Loom as well. These are both softwares. So then mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll record your computer screen. They record your face. And so I talk to my team while I do a task. Mm-hmm. And it puts those cool little rings around your mouse when you click on it. So they see where you're clicking. And then I'm able to record these videos. And I usually send out one or two videos a week and say, hey, here's how you do this. That's cool. And then it, it builds this database where when new agents come on mm-hmm. and they have a question, I'm like, oh, go check out this video. Yeah. Right? Oh, go check out this video. And they're able to hear me explain it because it's it's tough to take what's in your brain and put it on paper sometimes, right? So yeah. they're able to hear me explain it. They're able to look at the software while I'm doing it. So it's not like they're looking at a sheet, then looking at software. I don't have to be taking like screenshots of this and that. 
and they're able to say, okay, hey, I need to create this specific document for compliance. Here's how you create it. Here's what needs to be included. Here's how it goes out. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. And then now they've got a big database that's on Dropbox and, and the videos just keep adding to it and mm-hmm. they're all, you know, searchable, go fi- go figure it out. And it, it takes a lot of the workload off of me answering the same question six times. Here's a video. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, so kind of b- before I wrap, I have a couple yeah. non-work related for stuff. Sure. What do you do for fun? Uh, what do I do for fun? So, um, you know, I do still enjoy my cars. I got a nice Mercedes wagon. I like that thing. Um, I got a, an S2000 that I drive in the summers. You still so have that fun. thing? S2000 still, still kicking around. You do a fun it's, car. I got, yeah, I you got didn't autocross the S2000? <laughs> I autocross the S2000 okay, okay. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I got those. I've recently taken up shooting as a hobby. Cool. Uh, so too. I do a lot of skeet shooting, um, which has been a, yeah, yeah. I've been doing Literally that too. Went last weekend. That's sick. That's sick. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I got the little gun collection in the closet, which is a lot of fun. And, yeah. um, you know, other than that, like I try to spend time with my kids. I try to play board games with my teenager cause nice. it's a wild world for teenagers. Right. So we try totally, to do like man. a Friday night board game. Yeah. Um, you know she's 15 turning 16 so it won't be long until friday nights she's gone so yeah right, right so i'm trying to do that um you know spend spend time with my wife and my two little ones while they're still little because uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, one of my one of my first coaches said it's unreal how fast the first four years go don't work through them like through your kids first yeah. four years yeah yeah and he's not wrong man like my little boy is three and a half now and mm-hmm. i feel like it was yesterday he was born right so yeah. like it's one of those things i'm trying to spend my wife's off work permanently now like uh she she's a government employee but she's wrapping up at the government and then she'll be home full time because mm-hmm. she wants to spend the next few years with the kids too yeah yeah nice man yeah um so kind of parting advice we gotta, for, go, we gotta go shooting yeah All i'm right, actually down do right, let's sick, go sick. yeah sick. i i just uh <laughs> i i got into it just for sport i think i'm i'm too much of a pussy to go hunting but i might yeah, get there me too. I'm, I'm sport shooting yeah i'm not sport. a big my brother made me get my license for coyote control out of his property <laughs> he, he lives out in uh in Merrickville, he's got 120 acres and he's got a coyote problem. He's got like 50 chickens. So he's like, go get your license. You can help me out. And I was like, hey, cool. And then I went and shot clays and I was like, this is sick. It's so fun. This is sick. I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's, I know like guns can be a, a, a controversial thing, you know, but again, it's, it's, it's a tool, but if used improperly can yeah. cause harm. Um, I like it for sport. I think there's some value in learning how to hunt because we just buy packaged meat in the store for sure. with our eyes closed. And I, I feel like I need to, experience that process of of acquiring meat to appreciate it a little more my brother got a turkey this year Mm -hmm. or last year got a turkey last year turkey seasons or deer season's about to start or whatever he's gonna get a deer this year we've been squirrel hunting he he (laughs) he eats squirrel so like we we go squirrel hunting on his property he loves it he's wild with it he's all into this like yeah homesteading self like self maintaining life right so it's good to know how to go out like man shooting a squirrel's hard yeah those little things are fast so (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious yeah man we'll go out to the range sometime for sure break some clay um but yeah kind of parting advice for you know people who might be kind of bogged down by all these news stories of oh my god their interest rate went up again 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 like you know what's some advice you might kind of just leave our, our viewers our listeners with um you know there's a couple cliche things you know don't try to time the market put time in the market mm-hmm. nice you know date the rate marry the house there's a lot of bullshit out there Love the ride. just do it just give it a shot if you think that you're in a position where 
homeownership in that city is on your target, the sooner you buy the property, the better. Trying to wait for the market to collapse is a fool's game. I've got a couple clients that, you know, uh, for for years before I was a broker and I was buying places like, oh, we're going to wait for the housing market. We're going to wait for the housing market. And then like mm-hmm. COVID hit, it's a doubles. Yeah. So what are you waiting for? Like, just give it a shot. Give it a do it. And, you know, if you set yourself up in a way where you're not stretching your budget too, too thin, you've got that pride of homeownership. You've got that yeah. that place that can't be sold where you're going to get evicted, where nobody else is going to move into it, where like it's it's your castle kind of thing. So nice. just yeah. give it, a, just do it. Just give it and call and you. Call me <laughs> and call me before you think you should call me. If That's you, an if important you think, one. If you think you're buying in, in two years, call me. If you think you're buying in one year, call me. Like mm-hmm. You call me three months before you're about to buy a house. There's no time to structure your finances differently there's no mm-hmm. time to you know don't buy that new car there's no time to 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 structure things up in a way that the lender's gonna like totally. but if you contact two years out i'm happy to work i'll work with you two years five years whatever mm-hmm. uh, eventually i want to see you get to that success point nice yeah i'm stressed don't buy that new car it's a horrible don't, investment buy one that's buy. at least three years old yeah save a lot of money <laughs> and you still get a sick car um, before we leave today, Ty, I want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. Sure. I like to end the podcast on these just, uh, for fun. Um, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Nice. Um, you're going to battle with one item from your office. What are you bringing? One item from my office? Yeah. I'm going to battle? Yeah. Like you just, you got to go like, like, uh, like old gladiator style where they're all just running in a field, like thousands. Like, what are you bringing as your, as your weapon? I'm bringing my racing helmet. I keep it on a shelf. I'm bring, I keep it on, on a shelf in my office. <laughs> no, like, I guess to, to hit. Or, I was like, what or, the fuck else am I bringing? Yeah, like, yeah. A chair or something. I don't know if I'm gonna wear it or hit somebody with it, but it's gonna do something. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good answer. Um, if you were to do anything other than being a mortgage broker, what would you do? Like dream job or? Um, I would probably at this point in life try to work finance at a car dealership. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a very good chance that in the next two or three years, I open up my own mortgage investment corporation, which is like a private lending entity. Cool. So private lending is is something that's really on my radar. I've got some, I'm just dabbling into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing some private lending now. I, I really see that as a successful way to kind of exit having to work every day if you've got your money out there working for you with with second mortgages or, or stuff cool. like that yeah. so you basically become a bank at that point yeah essentially it's it's a registered corporation like it's it's called the mortgage investment corporation you lend mm-hmm. you're you're still governed by you know government agencies mm-hmm. provincially um and i use a lot of them for financing stuff for clients mm-hmm. and and so i see how they work and i see the money they're making and i say maybe this is all right yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that uh, that about sums up our time on this episode. Yeah, um, Thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was yeah. a fun conversation. Yeah. I, I learned <laughs> many things from you today, um, and I hope you did too. Uh, if you have any questions about buying a house, call. Yeah, you can get me at uh, thegriffinmortgage.com. Yeah. Uh, put so it in it's the super easy. Yeah, he'll put it in the description yeah. for you. Tyler's or, uh, info. Yeah, because yeah. it's... Um, you know, it's something that that is it is it's always a hot topic. Real estate, oh my god, interest rates. So, yeah. call Tyler, have a chat, and uh, you know, build build that future. But uh, for now, 
uh, thanks for watching. The Creatives is available on uh, all your favorite streaming platforms. It's available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and then it's available on YouTube as well, so you can view it in 4K on there. Uh, one shift we've had recently is it used to be hosted on the Pano Media YouTube channel, but now The Creatives has its own channel. Uh, so check it out subscribe there. to both subscribe to both <laughs> yeah on panel media we do lots of cool like behind the scenes behind the setup kind of literally just walk through things as they're unfolding and show you how we do things so there's literally nothing i have nothing to hide i want to share that so that you can see how we do it and you know maybe have you one day be part of our team and innovate what we're doing and make it even better um so again shout out minute hour studios shout out panel media for for everything and shout out to you for watching or listening uh that has been episode i'm not gonna i, I can't i quit calling them episode numbers that's been an episode with tyler griffin <laughs> thank you and uh don't forget to enjoy yourself see you on the next one